Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Misty Brown, Director of Student Athlete Engagement at the SEC Conference. And Misty is going to dive into kind of her career path and a little bit about the world of student athlete engagement uh, here on the, the partnership with University of Florida's uh, Sports Business Insights from Gator Nation. And uh, Misty, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, uh, Jake. It's, it's, uh, I'm happy to be here, and anytime I can do uh, something to reach out to our Gator community and share what I do to our Gator alums and current students, I'm always willing to do that. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now we know you. You know you have to be unbiased uh, with your role yeah. at the SEC, right? But um, you know, going from Gainesville and kind of starting your career path, um, having worked in college athletics you know, starting with the Orange Bowl and, and UCF mm-hmm. and Georgia State. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your thought process behind, you know, the experiences that you had and what you were ultimately trying to work towards? Sure. Um, well, of course, it, it did change quite a bit throughout my uh, career path, but um, I was a former student athlete at Florida. I uh, played basketball there from 97 to 01. And um, while, um, you know, going to class within the College of Health and Human Performance, I knew that I wanted to do something in sports, um, but did not quite know what it was I wanted to do in athletics. Um, I did take a liking to event planning um, and had the opportunity to volunteer with the University of Florida Foundation in their event management department. during my senior season, we played in a Orange Bowl basketball tournament. Um, at the time, the Orange Bowl, like many BCS bowls back then, it was BCS, they hosted many events. It wasn't just about the football game. And so I think the Orange Bowl still hosts the men's basketball, college basketball tournament. But at the time, they hosted a women's tournament. And I knew that I'd be graduating soon. I knew I needed a job and didn't want to go back to Savannah, Georgia. Um, the CEO of the Orange Bowl at the time, um, he's a Gator alum, former Gator football player. He was a Gator. Well, the current CEO is a Gator alum, but um, the previous CEO um, was a Gator alum and a former uh, Gator football player named Keith Tribble. Uh, so there, after that game, I reached out to Keith and I said, hey, I'm going to need a job. Um, and I talked to him a little bit about my background and that I had done some volunteer work uh, with the University of Florida Foundation um, in the events department, and I knew that I wanted to do events. I figured I wanted to do events in sports, and the Orange Bowl would be a great place to get that experience. Um, so I uh, was offered that opportunity as an intern with the Orange Bowl. Um, I interned there for uh, a year, and while there, uh, my immediate boss received the promotion, and she had to conduct the management of the actual uh, the actual Orange Bowl football game. So which means it led me to, or it um, opened up an opportunity for me to uh, plan the events and the activities that she had done. And um, it's funny because during that year, that is when Florida hosted Maryland. So little did I know I was going to work for the Orange Bowl and I got a chance to plan the events and activities for Florida football team and their administrators while they were there in Miami. Um, So I did that for a year. And after that, I got out of athletics because, of course, my internship ended, but I did get out of athletics, and I worked uh, down in South Florida for the town of Miami Lake, the city of Hollywood, and I was doing events like uh, 4th of July celebrations, beer fests, and those sorts of things. Um, During that time, Keith Tribble, 
he became the athletic director at UCF. And so he contacted me. He said, you know, um, there's a position here. And he said, I know you'd be great at, in it. And um, it was an opportunity to work for the Golden Knights Club, which is a fundraising arm for UCF athletics. Um, I took that position, uh, moved to Orlando, and I started my career in fundraising. Um, I was, and of course, my event part did follow me as well. So I was doing a lot of donor events. But um, I gained a lot of experience for those five years at UCF uh, working in fundraising. I think the best part of those years was I was there during the year when UCF transitioned to playing on campus. So they went from the Citrus Bowl Stadium to opening an arena and a football field, a football stadium on their campus during the same year. So I was a part of that transition, the naming rights to Bright House, uh, Bright House Network Stadium, which I believe is called something else now, Spectrum Stadium or something but was a part of that. And um, I think just being a part of those big trans transactions uh, within UCF athletics, um, I gained a lot of experience there as well. Um, so while working there in the Golden Knights Club is what it was called. Um, and I, my supervisor during that time, uh, he left to take a position at Georgia State. Um, he was the executive director of the Golden Knights Club, and he went on to take a position at Georgia State, still in fundraising and in, in, uh, athletic development. And he contacted me about an assistant athletic director's job um, in development and working closely with the athletic director at Georgia State. Um, and so that was of interest to me. Um, in the process of that, I got married. Um, my husband is a Gator as well. He played football at Florida, Tico Brown. He was on the 96 national championship team. So adding him to the mix and now transitioning to another state. Um, and so during that time, we moved there. I, again, continued my career in fundraising. And uh, during that time, I worked with a lady named Tiffany Daniels. Uh, she's a Georgia Bulldog, by the way. So this is where I had all my Gator connections. And then, boom, a Georgia Bulldog came into my life. Um, that's, and that's the ultimate rivalry, right? I, mean, I know, right? But you know, I'm from Georgia too. So you, I will tell you, there was a little love there at one point. But when it came down to picking a school to compete for, I chose the Gators, which I'm glad I did. Um, <laughs> but uh, Tiffany Daniels was in our marketing department at Georgia State, and I continued doing fundraising. Um, and Tiffany took a job um, uh, with the SEC as the associate commissioner here. Uh, and she, after being here for about three years, she contacted me again and said, hey, we have an opportunity here. We have a new commissioner. And one of the priorities for him is to add a position where we can work directly with our student athletes in um, enhancing their student athlete experience, as well as engaging them in our legislative conversation. Um, this was something completely different for me, but I knew that I loved hearing what the commissioner was doing in regards to student athletes. Being a former student athlete, that was something that being involved in legislative conversation, that wasn't something that was happening um, where places or institutions, athletics departments were actually involving student athletes in that conversation. So I learned a little bit more about what um, it was that our commissioner wanted to do with this position. And it attracted me. Um, it attracted me to it. And of course, I talked to my husband and he said, hey, it's the SEC, you got to listen. So um, here we are. Um, and it's going on five years. And I will tell you, Jake, um, I tell our young people that I work with, um, you know, I never thought this would be a dream job for me. 
But I'll tell you, I'm in my dream job, but I never would have picked it. So, no, but I'm loving thing. it. Well, in, in, in either scenario of the SEC, one yeah. way or another, right, the Security yeah. Exchange Commission, you definitely have to listen <laughs> on either end. So, exactly, uh, exactly. You made, you made a good choice to pick the right one. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think when, when, as I'm listening to, to your story, right, the, uh -huh. the common denominator was you went and worked for someone who happened to probably be good people. Yeah. right? You, you did a great job and then you kind of kept continued to follow people, right? As, yeah. as they went to somewhere else. And yeah. uh, it wasn't that first, uh, you know, instant of that person got the job and boom, the next day you're with them, right? It kind of takes time. Um, but talk a little bit about that transition uh, mm -hmm. in, in each circumstance, right? Where, yeah. you know, they're not necessarily directly telling you, hey, I'm going to take this job and you're coming with me, right? There's kind of this, okay, well, now you have a new boss, right? Mm -hmm. Then you're, you know, you're figuring stuff out where you are. And then you get that one phone call, which you, yeah. again, you never expect, you know, expect when that's going to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think probably when it really started to take off was when I got married, um, because again, my husband has a career. So it was like that first, I would say that first big move was from UPS to Georgia State. So that's Orlando to Atlanta. And um, we had just gotten married. And so it took about nine months for my husband to get there because he did have the final opportunity for himself there. Um, but then when he finally got, he got there, um, got to Atlanta, again, we were there for four or five years. But even with those transitions, those people who called me, it was, they had already been in that role for two to three years. And then there was an opportunity and they said, hey, you'll be great for this. And it's funny because it's always been someone saying, you've been, you'll be great for this. And like I said, I, so the transition from fundraising to now I'm in a role of being an impact in our young people's lives, in our student athletes and our leagues. So, and then again, the transition to the SEC, when Tiffany got here, she was here for three years and she called me and this is a completely different role that I'm in. It was something like, it was when our commissioner was named commissioner, commissioner Sankey, this was a priority of his. So my position right now is the only position of its kind in conference athletics. So that just shows you the value that he was putting on the student athletes. And I can tell you, he's truly a student athlete first commissioner, um, unlike any other commissioner, uh, especially in the power five conferences. So. But um, yeah, each of those transitions were different. So that the SEC transition was, we now have a daughter, you know, a little girl, and my mom was helping us take, you know, take care of her when we were in Atlanta. And so now we move from mom to here, and um, and now we have a son. So we have two kids, and we're managing to live in Alabama. And here's the other thing: when Tiffany called me, I said, "Come on." I'm not moving to Alabama. <laughs> and so again, it took my husband who he's been very supportive, thankfully. He said, hey, you know, it's the SEC, you have to listen. And like I said, it's been this job and what I do, it definitely does not feel like a job. I feel rewarded every day to have an impact in the lives of our young people and our leaders. So Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, the the impact. Um mm -hmm one way or another, right? When you're fundraising, you're fundraising to impact mm -hmm. student athletes. Like there's always right. kind of that mission behind it. Um, yeah. When you think about, you know, having a blank canvas, right? In a role yeah. where it's never existed to anywhere. When, when anyone ever gets a role, usually, and, and I've been fortunate to have a couple where it's been more or less a blank canvas as well, but like usually 
you're going to get into a role, someone has left it, so then maybe mm -hmm. you pick their brain, you pick your mm -hmm. boss's brain, they've maybe had your role before, um, you know, maybe there's some, maybe, maybe that doesn't exist where you are, but someone else or another team or another mm -hmm. organization has that role and you're able to call mm -hmm. people. In this case, you're the, you're, you're the, the numero uno. I mean, what, <laughs> what, what kind of thought process do you go through in the sense of, mm -hmm. okay, well, what do I do now? So let me tell you what's been most successful for me. Um, being in this role, I have learned that, I mean, outside of our commissioner did state to me, there were like, there was like one thing he really wanted me to do, but everything else was kind of, you know, it's your, it's your show, you know? And so one of the things that was really important and that I think um, is one of the main reasons why I've been successful is I took the opportunity to find out from our student athletes what they wanted and how the conference could serve them better. Um, I didn't come in here with any kind of agenda or template of what I was going to do. And I think that was the good thing about not really having a lot of just hands-on experience. I mean, I was a former student athlete. I've been around the business long enough. But I think the key thing was talking to them and said, hey, what can the conference do better? What do you want to see from our conference? And you know, Jake in year one, I asked them, I said, what do you all need help with? They said, we want help finding jobs. We need help with finding internships. And I started up the SEC career tour, which we're going on year five of that, that we host in Atlanta, the week of the SEC championship. Um, and so now, you know, a lot of their conversation is, you know, we want help in the area of mental wellness, mental health. And we're looking at doing a lot more now in that space as well. So I think taking that approach is what's been very helpful. I didn't go in trying to program around what I thought they wanted. I came in and, and just really involved myself in their lives to find out what it is they wanted. Yeah, listening is such a crucial skill. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny when you say that listening is a skill, but it really is. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's some intent there, right? And, and not only, it's one thing to listen, it's one thing to gather feedback, but then it's another thing to actually take action on that feedback, right? And show someone that you listened and that you cared mm -hmm. and that you mm -hmm. had the wherewithal to actually take action. Mm -hmm. When you work with the different schools mm -hmm. across the conference, um, the complexity of that, right? A lot of different states, a lot of different uh, types of schools. I mean, what's the biggest obstacle or what's the biggest challenge when you're working across so many student athletes from so many different places, so many different sports? Mm -hmm. um, you know, challenge-wise, you know, one thing that I found out with our student athletes, and I don't care what sport it is, they all recognize that they're playing at the height of collegiate athletics. So they think, a lot of them think alike, and I'll tell you, they think different than a lot of other conferences. And when I started here, I was able to be heavily involved in the conversation around time demands, and to hear our student athletes talk about, yeah, we want more time, but we signed up to play in the SEC. So we know that we want to play, we want to win championships, and we know that we have to commit to practice and working out and just being prepared to win championships. So one of the things I found out is like the mindset is it's pretty much the same. And, you know, when I started, we were having conversations with other conferences, other power five conferences, and the student athletes, it's funny, they think different. Um, but from a challenge standpoint, we have, I have a really good group of student athlete development people. That would be like the life skills people. I work a lot with them on our campuses. I have a really good team 
um, of people that I work with, and they help me to manage and work through some of the challenges I may have with working with the various uh, campuses and identifying the, who the leaders are, who we weren't representing on our leadership councils. So I lean on them a lot, and they help me to navigate through some of the issues that are the challenges that could come up um, with working with the various various institutions. And let me add one other piece. Our, like I mentioned earlier, I commit, our commissioner is 100% behind my job and what I do. So because of that, the communication from him about what we do to our presidents and chancellors, our athletic directors, make what I do a lot easier because he is completely behind it. Definitely helps to have a lot of support behind you <laughs> in whatever you're doing, right? So yeah. if you're a student athlete right. and your coach is supporting you or your student athlete development personnel supporting you. You mentioned the jobs piece and the internships piece. I want to hit on that for a moment because that's not the easiest thing or easiest task to do, right? And you talked about time demands. There's, there's limitations to every sport, every season. Uh, you know, what, what your process was like as a student athlete when you played is different now more even just because of the social media aspect of it right and and how time consuming that can be um, for for students and the way in which education's changing as you kind of look ahead right and and see what you've been able to accomplish over the last five six years where where is you know the opportunity um, to continue to advance uh, the the success of these student athletes yeah, I mean, I think, you know, back to that career piece, that's a big deal. Um, and that's a piece where as a student athlete, you don't have a lot of time to be able to get out and intern like a regular student would or even get a job. So I, that has been a big priority in our office, especially in my job. And, you know, how can we prepare them for careers? And that's careers both if they are a professional athlete as well as if they're just a professional, you know, in the regular work field as a professional, um, we are steadily just trying to advance with that. Um, mental wealth and mental wellness, uh, wellness have, have been a constant as well. So how do we um, not only make sure our student athletes are healthy enough to be able to perform, but make sure they're healthy enough just in everyday life? Um, I think those are two things that we continue to just try to find ways to, um, you know, commit to at least being able to help them in those areas. Sure. Mm -hmm. And as you think about, you know, still being the only one from a conference perspective to have this role and, and just kind of the evolution of college athletics as a whole, right? Having been a former D3 student athlete and understanding that the difference between being a D3 student athlete and a D1 student athlete is, it's, it is vastly different, right? There are a lot of different, um, scales right the that that are big factors when you think about you know ultimately being able to help uh, kind of move this this student athlete engagement piece across college athletics as a whole what are some of the things that that you're seeing in the industry that can that can continuously improve uh, over time to, to get to that point um, you know, one other piece, I think, you know, just even the leadership development piece is a big piece that I think can continue to evolve. Um, uh, the one I mentioned earlier that, you know, our commissioner wanted me to do really one thing and the rest was just a blank slate for me to, uh, to uh, be creative. And that one thing is we started up leadership councils. Um, 
SDT, we work with what we have is our SDT Student Athlete Advisory Committee. We've had that for years. But one thing we found out in our league, Jake, is that when we had those SAC meetings, is what they call it, Student Athlete Advisory Committee, we had very little representation from football, men's and women's basketball. And that was the priority of our commissioner. He said, you know, I want you to start up these leadership councils in these sports so we can hear directly from them. And so um, you mentioned where we can continue to, I guess, evolve. Um, you know, I think one of the big things with these leadership councils is we involve them in our legislative conversation. We allow them to give us the feedback on rules that affect the sport that they play. My football leadership council three years ago, they came in here and they gave me feedback on some things that the conference can do better to help their student athlete experience. And as a result of that, they made a recommendation of a rule change that's now an NCAA rule that they changed our football leadership council just by participating in a meeting, providing feedback, and that passed from the SEC level, and it was an NCAA rule, and it now is an, it, it passed from the NCAA level, and it's now a rule, and that was the increase. And it, it's something like just as simple as increasing the amount of money they get to host recruits. Um, it was $40 when I played years ago. It was still $40 up into three years ago, and you can imagine how much it's changed. And our young people came in and they talked about it. And we realized that that was a recommendation that we should really consider as a conference and push it through nationally and it changed. But it started in a room just downstairs of my football leadership council. So I think involving them and keeping them engaged in the conversation around the sport that they play is definitely something that's gonna be effective moving forward. Um, because we can't continue to make decisions on what we think is best for them. They have to give us that feedback. And I think that's one of the more valuable things that we do in this conference. No other conference has a leadership council like we have. Um, and so, like I said, we have our SEC SAC, our football, and our men's and women's basketball leadership council that I work with. Actually, I have a call next week with our football and we met with them two weeks ago. Of course, we're meeting with them a lot these days. <laughs> Yeah, there's there seems to be a lot of a lot of virtual meetings. But when you know when you when when you think about the, the impact that an individual can make at the mm -hmm. age of 18, 19, 20, you know, how does that help that individual from a confidence perspective going forward, knowing that even if they don't go pro, like we mentioned earlier, right, that there there is a career and and it doesn't have to be in sports per se. Mm -hmm. um, you know. I can think back to my identity shift and my identity change. You know, I, I happen to work in sports, but I know plenty of teammates that don't work in sports, right? And you kind of have to make that shift and, and just acknowledge that that's okay, right? So as you prepare and have those conversations with those student athletes, what's kind of the, the golden rule or, or kind of the, the piece of advice that you give them from a career transition aspect? Yeah, you know, I always like to tell them, I don't like to use the word backup plan because it makes it seem like, you know, I'm putting their plan aside of plan pro, right? So a lot of times I just talk to them about having a plan A and a plan B. Um, I make sure they understand that a lot of the things they're learning as a student athlete are just, those are great soft skills for any work industry. Um, I think one of the key things is with the career tour that I host every year in Atlanta, um, it's the week of the SEC football championship. We spend uh, three days visiting with companies in Atlanta, and I bring 28 student athletes there. Um, and those companies, they get to hear firsthand how these companies, they'll tell them, we like to hire athletes. And they talk to them about the skill set that they possess just from being an athlete. 
and how valuable it is to their organization. So I think for me, that's one of the things I tell them. Um, a lot of times I realize our young people can be very tunnel vision. They're like, I want to work in athletics. I only want to work in athletics. And then I tell them the story how I got out of athletics for a quick minute, right? And that only made me more valuable when I got back because I was able to get experience in several other things. I learned about easements and permits and Heck, I told someone I build a. I was a, I was in charge of a de debris dumping site when I lived down in Miami for the town of Miami Lakes after a hurricane had come through because we had a small staff. But I learned about FEMA and filling out forms for FEMA and just just I gained a lot of experience. But I tell them that just makes them even more valuable. So um, you know, it's just it to me, it's having a plan A and a plan B, um, and you know, just being open-minded to the opportunities that exist for them. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think back to the, the book I co-authored on student-athlete success, success and transition not too long ago, and Oliver Luck was in there with, with our forward talking about a plan A and plan B, and plan B was going pro. He said, you know, my plan A is, is to do whatever I'm going to do in my career. My plan B is, is, is if I'm going to go pro, and he eventually did, obviously, and he's yeah, done some things, but, you know, when you think about the student-athlete experience as a whole, though, that experience is four or five years uh, of experience that you can really take advantage of, right? And I and I, I was listening to you talk about how, you know, the skill sets that student athletes have are super valuable, but they're only valuable if you know what skill sets you have, right? Correct. And how to tell that story. So how do you how do you help the student athletes understand how to how to story tell and and really equip themselves to show what they can do, even though they may not, quote unquote, have that resume experience? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a conversation with a young man, a student athlete, a couple of days ago, and we really, it's just going through talking about, you know, in relation to some of the careers he's looking at, about being a great communicator, a team player, um, you know, just some of those things, you know, just being, I mean, overachiever. I mean, he's just talking about some of those things that, um, that he possessed just naturally um, and just playing sports all his life. So a lot of times it's just kind of reiterating to them what it is, what, what you know, hey, let's talk about some of those things. Let's talk about, um, you know, some of the things that you possess, leadership, you know, being a captain of a team, um, you know, managing people as that leader or that captain, um, conflict resolution. Um, I mean, there's just so many things, but a lot of times, yes, we I do have to, point out to them, hey, look at this. This is what you have. Do you have this on your resume? Even talking about being a part of the leadership council um, that I oversee. It's like, hey, you need to put that on your resume. Um, those who represent us um, on our, as our autonomy reps, which the Power Five Conference has, um, there are 15 student athletes, and we have three that represent our league as autonomy reps, meaning they get to vote on behalf of the entire um, SEC or just entire student athletes. Um, a population and just talking to them about, hey, put that, that stuff needs to go on your resume. You need to put on your resume when you've had to get up and speak in front of our presidents and chancellors, ADs and SWAs and FARs at various, you know, spring meetings and some of our meetings where we make decisions. So um, a lot of times it's just, you know, just refreshing their memory and just, you know, making sure they understand that they do possess those, th those things. But I will tell you, it is a constant reminder because sometimes they do tend to forget and they're like, well, I don't have any experience. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know, so um, I think for more than anything, it's just 
trying to remind them of those things um, when it comes to applying for jobs. Yeah, you think about, you know, not that someone on the basketball court or the football field is public speaking, but mm -hmm. when you're playing in front of 60, 80, 100,000 fans, there are people who never do that in their entire life in terms of do like actually performing something, right? Whether it's speaking or presentation or playing mm -hmm. in front of that many people, right? I mean, that in, a, in itself is an experience that is mind blowing for some. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to tell that story. Last thing as we kind of wrap up the episode, you know, your, your path to where you are, as you mentioned, is kind of unique in the sense that none of the roles that you really had, quote unquote, led to what you're doing, right? But the skills and the experiences have. What advice do you have for those that, you know, were maybe a former student athlete or they're in their, you know, the beginning of their career, but they don't exactly know which direction to go um, or they want to get into the student athlete development field? What advice do you have for them in terms of helping create that direction for themselves? Um, you know, I, I, a lot of times I just talk to them um, just about, I, I try to identify things that they're good at. What are you good at? Do you like talking to people? Just try to find out, okay, what direction should we go in? And a lot, I do an evaluation just based on that. What do you like to do? Um, and, and a lot of times the guidance from there kind of goes to, if they want to work in sports, it's like, okay, if you're probably a person that don't really like to deal with people and like numbers, maybe you want to go in the business side of things. Um, of course, being that my background has been fundraising and now, you know, working with student athlete development, a lot of our young people are really good at sales. Um, they like working with people, talking to people, dealing with people. A lot of them are steer in the direction of fundraising. I feel like if you can talk to people and build relationships, um, I think that's a very valuable skill set. And I, I honestly believe that the reason I am where I am today is because I know for a fact that, you know, building those relationships and not only that, but work continuing to work hard, outworking everybody. Um, so those are some of the things that I, I tend to share with our, our student athletes as they are looking, um, you know, a play, for a place to start their career. And the other other uh Thing to that is, you know, like I said, don't be tunnel vision. Be open to learning new things. Um, and don't be afraid, you know, don't be afraid to try something, you know. So I think that's, that's been my main piece of advice to our young people. That was fantastic. Really appreciate mm -hmm. that insight and advice. And Missy, can't thank you enough for your time here on the, the series with the University of Florida Sports Management, Sports Business Insights from Gator Nation. So appreciate the time and certainly look forward to having you on again in the future. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me.